All right, Corey. It's your time to shine. Go. Yeah, go All for right. it. Maximum power! It's Flashback 64! <laughs> nice. there, yeah, that sounded really good. Welcome, everyone, back to Flashback 64, the chronological Nintendo 64 podcast. I'm Goo, and I'm joined, as always, by McKenna. Hello. Hello. And this week, we are joined by our pals, Corey Richmond. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hey, Corey. And Gambling Connor Core. Greetings. It's good to have both of you guys. Uh, there's a few things we want to ask you before we actually get into the actual show. But I wanted to shout out, we got a ton of, uh, on our first episode, we got a ton of nice reviews that we all posted about over on Twitter. And... Uh, yeah, we got five five star reviews, and that I think that helps you. That's supposed to help your podcast out. So I just want to say appreciate everyone for uh, writing in, and if anyone else can do that again, that'd be awesome. It's supposed yeah, to help, oh. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> so, so um, we said this uh, on our last episode, but with the show, we want to do you know we want to talk a little bit of. Uh, historical context, a little bit of nostalgia, uh, but we also were talking about the idea of um, getting autobiographical and uh, going back and, you know, hitting those parts of our own lives and like what was going on at that time. So I wanted to ask uh, you, you guys, maybe Connor, if you want to say first, like, um, with the Nintendo 64, was that a console? Like, what's your experience with it? Did you grow up with that, or did you play that back in the day? Yeah, yeah that was um, actually my first video game console. I believe I got it when I was pretty young, like five years old or something like that. And I had a lot of good times playing on that machine. You know, that that thing is a real tank, I got to say. I must have dropped my big-ass CRT <laughs> on that thing like five, six times, but it just still keeps chugging. I mean, that's got to be one of the most durable consoles ever made. Yeah, I feel like of all the older consoles I've had, like that's the one where it gives me the least trouble going back. Like, like, I always think of, like, that. The I sometimes got to do the blow in the cartridge thing, but, like, I way more associate that with, like, NES games and just after a while, like, really struggling to get some of them to work. <laughs> we call it old reliable. Old reliable, yeah. Um, Corey, what about you? You, um, big N64 gamer? Big time. Yeah, the. the... <laughs> The N64, folks, the N64 was it for me. That was that was the one where it was the point of no return, no turning back. I'm a I'm a full fledged gamer, and it wasn't it wasn't my first video game console because I had played the original Game Boy. I played Game Boy Color. Um, I, my dad had a Sega Genesis that I had played a few games on, but like the N64 was like a cornerstone of my life in the late 90s early 2000s like i would because i had an older brother who was two years old i was born in 95 so like for Mm. some of these early games i would have been way too young to 
play them or whatever but as i started to get older my brother was already into it and then we had a next door neighbor who was a little older than my brother and he was into it or if i went to like a babysitter's house they had an n64 and we would go to blockbuster and rent games for the weekend or if i went to my friend's house we would be playing n64 so it was just it was everywhere in my childhood and that was really the console where like i started forming you know huge video game memories and stuff and that's since then it's been a just a a full-blown spiral right on right on so i mean yeah i think we've all been we've all been kind of in the same uh age group (laughs) where it it hit us all in that a very similar uh age at our life where Mm. like yeah for me it was like i was like eight so i was like that i i was perfectly built for this console (laughs) Can I, you mind if I tell a quick, a quick story about the N64? Yeah, go ahead. I like, so we had it like for, for forever and it was at our house. And of course, as I started getting older, like middle school, high school years, like other consoles were coming out and I was like, oh, the N64, that's old. I don't want to play that anymore. (laughs) And we had, uh, we had family friends who had two boys that were quite a few years younger than me and they started getting to the age where they could play video games and the mom was like, "Oh, if Corey doesn't play the N64 anymore, do you do you guys mind if we we if we take it and give it to our two boys?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't play that garbage anymore." And then <laughs> fa- that's for babies, fast, he said. And then fast forward like a few years towards the end of my high school, and I just started thinking about it, and I was like, "Man, I want that back." So I went yeah. back over to their house, and I was like, "Hey." Do they play that still? Because, like, I want it back now. <laughs> so I took it back. God, yeah, I've I've had that a lot where I, like, when especially when I was younger, I didn't, like, I hit that same thing where it was, like, the one was old and I kind of moved on and then I didn't, yeah. like, keep track of my stuff or my parents, like, got rid of it or something like that. And I, I kind of re- regret that now as I'm, like, trying to reassemble some of my... Uh, and 64 collection i know connor you have like a yeah. bunch of you have a pretty good collection of older games is it a lot of your never under any circumstances relinquish my nintendo 64 <laughs> for my cool dead, man. <laughs> i have the same one that i've had for almost 25 years so i'm yep. getting buried with that thing <laughs> that's some have our og nice. one too it's the same thing because like i hit that age and it's just like my brother would sell a bunch of video games and you have no hindsight. You're like, I don't play this anymore. I'm not going to need it anymore. And then like fast forward to when I got more into gaming, even more and more. And I, I will not let anyone touch any of my games. I'm not giving any of them up. I I've had, I had like a weird, like mix and match run of like N64 stuff as a kid. Cause it, I think it was like, cause like my parents were divorced and then I think, but so it was a thing where it was like my stepmom had an N64, my stepdad had an N64, I had an N64, and then mm-hmm. like things start, especially because the adults aren't really like keeping track of things, like stuff's yeah. like bouncing around between all these things and starts to mix together. All of a sudden, you have two copies of Mario Party 2 or whatever. <laughs> it's like, how did this get here? You could have one for every room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, but we can also talk about uh, the time period because I, th- well, I think we determined actually in the, in the last uh, uh, episode that 
everyone was born in like 1995. <laughs> was that? Yeah. That is the year that I was born. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Same. Also the year I was okay. born. All, all the guests are 95. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, liter- literally. Yeah, and you. No, literally the only person who's not been born in 1995 was me. So I'm like, oh, so old, I, you. yeah, I'm so old. No, it's just like, I was, it was like. a good year. I remember it well. <laughs> I I was just hoping like well no it'll be it'll be good but I I I, I want to get some oldies in who remember like actually remember things in 1996 happening some of the old heads yeah some of the old uh, I think Andy is our only yeah. <laughs> oh, oh and Moss Moss, Moss. Moss is gonna come yeah yeah we oh, gotta both old curmudgeons my uh, my memories of the time are more like hey a dog <laughs> you know. <laughs> something (laughs) but let's talk about so we're this week we are in november 4th 1996 um you guys want to know what was going on then let's hear it okay so the macarena bayside boys mix by los del rio it's at its 14th and final week at number one on the billboard hot 100 chart and it's it's 46 week on the chart. This this song is a freaking powerhouse. What a dominant reign. <laughs> yeah, what a hit. Um other so similar to the last episode, we have a lot of uh returns in the top 5 here too. We've got uh I love you always forever. It's all coming back to me now and twisted. Those are still up there. But uh Connor, you and I, we watched the video and McKenna Joining the top five songs of the week is No Diggity by Blackstreet. Oh, yeah. Absolute yeah. jam. Kind of a scary music video. <laughs> I think it's awesome, yeah. but it is creepy a little bit. The puppet. <laughs> no diggity to that music video. Oh, man. I love it. He's scary. <laughs> top selling albums of the week were Recovering the Satellites by Counting Crows. Uh, Followed by Falling Into You by Celine Dion and Life is Peachy by Korn. Um, we're going to see on this pod. This podcast actually is going to perfectly cover the reign of uh, new metal, I think. We're seeing like the, the birth. Secretly a new metal podcast. <laughs> well, we'll yeah. yeah, I'm going to slip some new metal in for sure. You'll get to flex your other expertise. Exactly. Well, yeah, like I said, we're living in my heyday. This is like... (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we're going to see the birth and death of uh, new metal, at at least in popular culture, I would say. Quote, unquote, death. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, you know, I mean, Corn, they're still killing it. They're still... Yeah, uh, new metal never died. You just stopped paying attention. Uh, You know, I I know. I apologize. I don't apologize to Fred and Jonathan and... Chino. The highest grossing film of the weekend was Romeo and Juliet. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, which we actually covered uh, we actually covered that movie over on the uh, the virtual theater uh, podcast feed. So I uh, want to promote that. But um, it, it's an, I, I don't know. I don't want to give it all away. But that that's a pretty awesome movie. Yeah, no, no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no, no spoilers for Romeo and Juliet. I hope, I hope it's a happily ever after, and they get what they want. Um, okay, not a game I'm familiar. I'm like super familiar with or a series, but the the same week that these games we're talking about came out, 
uh, also was released Blood Omen, the first game in the Legacy of Cain series. Has anybody played any of those games? Nope. No, no, but I'm familiar. Okay, okay. You're gonna get a lot of. Well, a lot of us are. We're Nintendo nerds more, so <laughs> we're gonna miss out on some of these <laughs> these cool games. Uh, also, November fifth, which is the next day, uh, Bill Clinton wins re-election for president of the United States. Uh, sorry, Bob Dole. Had a boy, Bill. Uh, <laughs> as we talked about in the last one, uh, uh, we we actually watched McKenna and I watched another Saturday Night Live uh, from the time period, and all the jokes were just about how it was so obvious that Bob Dole was going to lose. Yeah, well, I mean. He did say his first name a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was good marketing. I don't run around saying Bob Dole does this and Bob Dole does that. That's not something Bob Dole does. Yeah. Like, legit like, was you know, doing it. I don't remember a lot of presidential losers, but thanks to his branding, I will never forget Bob Dole. <laughs> okay, I'm not, this is another one where I can't talk about it every episode. But but since Connor, you are you're a professional wrestler and part time, part time, yeah. So a part time professional wrestler, <laughs> um, and so this, I I realize this podcast time period will also perfectly uh, cover the Attitude Era of professional wrestling and the birth and death of WCW. Pretty much lines up exactly with the length of N sixty four. Oh, nice. Convergence. Um, yes, yeah, so I did want to point out at this time, because this is actually this is a notable time in wrestling. This is like right when the New World Order debuted in WCW, and there that that was obviously such a big moment in wrestling. And yeah, and this is we were watching some. This is when Sting's still up in the rafters. He's all brooding, you know, what's going on. And then over on Raw, we watch actually the Raw. The, the day we're talking about this on Raw was the episode where Stone Cold Steve Austin tries to invade the home of Brian Pillman and Brian Pillman pulls a gun on him. Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> classic uh, misstep, some would say. Yeah. But I think it's good. I think that's just some good soap opera in your wrestling there. Yeah, I'm surprised guns, you know, like, I'm sure that those would Well, the problem is once they appear, there's not really, there's not much else to do because yeah it's like once the gun comes out you're not gonna suplex the fella (laughs) that's true that's true but you know i in response to uh the nintendo 64's lifespan lining up with this particular moment in wrestling i think that also might be why we got some of the best wrestling games of all time too oh my god and yeah there's gonna be what like four episodes at least that are covering some of these games uh yeah it was just a high point for uh for wrestling for new metal uh and for me let's move on let's let's talk about the games we're here to talk about this week mckenna why don't you tell us about mortal kombat trilogy mortal kombat trilogy is a 2d fighting game famous for its finishing moves called fatalities where defeated opponents are brutally murdered in a variety of gruesome moves unique to each character. Despite its name, the game is not a set of three games, but rather an update of Mortal Kombat 3 with characters and stages from the previous games added. 
It was the first third-party game released on the Nintendo 64. Play against your friends or in single player where you fight in a series of battles to save Earthrealm. Corey, I want to ask you first because I think you, we're bringing you on more for the Wave Race segment. You, you don't have much familiar with Mortal Kombat. Do you have much familiar, familiarity with Mortal Kombat as a whole? Like, somewhat... I do more just kind of I've I've been aware of it as like a, a sure a, a pop cultural thing like I know I, I generally know what it's about I've played like uh, in whatever however many different settings I, I know I have have played at least one of the games at least once but mm-hmm. other than that it's just kind of been something that's in the background that like oh yeah I know what that is for sure so, well, Connor, though, you're our, we brought you on. You're our expert for Mortal Kombat. Um, you're a big fighting game player in general. Sure. Where where does Mortal Kombat, like, for you, is it one of your, like, favorites of the genre, or where, where do you gravitate towards more? Uh, it, it's, it's an interesting question. I have a bit of a complicated relationship with Mortal Kombat in that sure. context, because it wasn't it didn't really become a serious competitive game until much later, but uh, I always enjoyed Mortal Kombat more on the casual side, and uh, I, you know, I've played them all going way back, probably since around Mortal Kombat trilogy. So, yeah, I mean, uh, with this game in particular, it's interesting too because this was a console exclusive, whereas at that time a lot of the more competitive fighting game players would only stick to games that were in the arcades so this one never became like a big tournament standard here but in south america specifically brazil where they didn't have as much of a thriving arcade scene it became very much the competitive standard and even to this day there's still a big scene for mortal kombat trilogy in brazil okay so is the is it like specifically that game is more popular there or like does it where does where do you think it actually stacks up like like in the fighting game or like mortal Kombat competitive scene as a whole well that's the thing you know uh i i am i kind of side with the arcade purists for the most part and there's some so so it's interesting too because even though the nintendo 64 had a lot of cut content for their version of Mortal Kombat trilogy compared to the PlayStation 1 version like they changed a lot of I mean it's it's like an updated version of Mortal Kombat 3 but they changed a lot of sprites and uh like it uh, also it's more the aspect ratio is different which changes how certain combos react and things like that so mm. despite that though the Nintendo 64 version is considered the like the the main one that people stick to and so it has some like unique properties but i like it um i think it's a really fun game because you get to like try out you you get to see the mortal kombat one stages and all that yeah yeah it's sort of like it it's kind of like a greatest hits type game yeah definitely i think like you know these days i mean it's so far removed but it's almost like kind of like you could see it having then dlc for alternate mortal kombat 3 at the time had that existed oh yeah that that was in so yeah that's interesting like the different versions and stuff because we were reading 
Um, McKenna and I were like reading Nintendo Powers, and they did do a feature on this game, which was cool. Uh, it like detailed some of the characters and some of their moves and combos and stuff. This is pretty neat. But uh, like advertisements in Nintendo Power, they also had like an ad for arcade games, and one was like Ultimate Mortal Kombat Three. And uh, I don't know, it was just weird. Like the I I I was confused trying to figure it out at first, but I guess yeah, they would need they would need to do like balance patches for characters, and like you know these days, like I mentioned DLC, they just kind of can do that online. But back then, yeah. you release a whole arcade cabinet, and people would be like, oh, some character is too weak, and some are too strong, or you know they'd want to add new characters and stuff, so they would just have to put out a whole new machine for places to order. Hmm. Um, so McKenna, I think you're more, you're more aligned with Corey, right? You hadn't played any Mortal Kombat before this. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. not, not familiar at all, really. I, I remember seeing like MK11 trending on Twitter and, <laughs> and the first thought that popped in my, into my head was Mario Kart 11, even though, uh, <laughs> we're not there with Mario Kart. What happened to the rest of them? <laughs> someday i don't know i just couldn't i was like oh mortal Kombat. um the only game i've ever played that's really similar was uh, tekken hadn't even played any other mm-hmm. fighting games in that style okay that's like the only other fighting game okay yeah i think um for me i've always i'm i'm kind of a mix like similar to cory where like i probably i had played it in settings of like knowing people like uh, like our buddy Moss is is a fan of the, of the old games, and uh, you know, just being around people were like, "Oh, let's play some Mortal Kombat." But I never like played enough on my own to ever like understand <laughs> what to do, and like uh, that it's always been in the setting where it's like, "Okay, let's do it," and it's like everyone who's already really into it. So I always was really bad, and I always got beat. You know, it was like. I wouldn't say it's not fun. I just, you know, I wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for it. And I'll actually say, Connor, when we we played it together and, and you were just like, you just told me a couple of things like, oh, hey, like the uppercut is a good move and like the jump kick is good. And if, you know, like just a few tips, it, it wasn't enough where I was like, oh, I've mastered this, but I, where I was like, oh, I kind of understand how to do a few things. That's probably the most fun I've had playing Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Yeah, you were doing well. We were trading game. We were pretty even when we were playing. I thought McKenna was doing particularly well too. But um, you know, fighting games generally, that whole genre has uh, that problem with like teaching people how to play the game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an issue. I I yeah. I always feel like I want to try. Like I'm like maybe if I try the new ones because I feel like um, uh, even if. Like I don't even I don't even really care care about like story in games that much, but they look like they have like fun story modes that if I just like played through and played along with, I'd probably just like get better at it and it would be a little bit more fun than just like, you know, kind of not grinding, but you know, you know what I mean, like trying to do the right combos and stuff like just more yeah, like- a more natural way to get into it, I think. The contemporary ones are a little bit are a bit more accessible, and um, they do have a lot of good single player options. But you know, we're talking N sixty four, and even those uh, classic ones, I think um, 
have that pro like do have that problem where uh you know some people uh, n know and they don't know but with mortal Kombat, a lot of that allure that mystery is you know part of the fun you see someone input a fireball and it's like whoa how'd they do that you right yeah i feel we like there are two ways to play like i have played some fighting games like that where i don't know what that style is called where it's like the side by side and it's yeah, it's combo based i've played a few games like that and i feel like there's two ways to play one is you have no idea and you see if you can string together something really cool and two is like all right give me 10 minutes to study the combo guide and let me <laughs> recognize what this character can do yeah yeah i like yeah, i do mashing can lead to good results sometimes yeah that's true. I think um, McKenna and I were looking at a guide for one of the characters and trying to do one of the moves, but instead did another move. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. well, you can do this move now. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was when we were at the arcade. Oh, yes. So we did go actually to our local arcade and play a little bit of the arcade version, too, which is cool. It. Uh, I, I actually I wanted to say, even though I don't really know all the like technical details like Connor, when you're saying you're like an arcade purist, just from like pretty much any arcade game, like going from playing the SNES or N64 version of a lot of those and then just seeing it in the arcade, it just looks so much better. So I just it just looks nicer to me. So I've always just assumed it's better. I mean, this game got really bad reviews at the time. I like it. And I think people who like fighting games still like go back to it and enjoy it. But at the time, it got horrible reviews because it was not a very good... People were expecting like a one-for-one -one port of the arcade with this new generation of consoles. Oh. As you mentioned, this was the first third-party release. High and expectations. it was like very heavily compressed. The audio's really bad on it. And it just like was not really that much better than the Super Nintendo version, which came out not that, you know, not that long before, so... Oh, yeah, that was the thing, too, is they were advertising the Super Nintendo version. That really was like a just in it's kind of a side note, but uh, reading through some of these Nintendo powers, it is it is cool to see like some of the big hype. They're still like Super Nintendo games that are getting uh, hype like at the end of its lifespan, like overlapping with N64, which I, I guess happens with a lot of generations, but just such different styles of games, you know, it was like the leap from SNES to N64 was so huge. So it's like, it's always crazy seeing like, okay, like Super Mario RPG came out, then Mario 64 came out, then Donkey Kong Country 3 came out like all around the same time. I think SNES had some great games at the end of its lifespan. In some ways, Super Nintendo was like really hitting its stride while N64, as evidenced by Mortal Kombat Trilogy to a lot of reviewers, was kind of still figuring things out. Yeah, this was only like the... I mean, the, of all of all the games released so far, this is probably the one that... Well, I mean, I guess Pilot Wings isn't like a big deal necessarily, but all the other ones are kind of met pretty favorably especially obviously mario 64 so i find i find it interesting that you said that this was the first third party game on the n64 and i wonder how much of that had a played a factor in how well this was received or its legacy or anything like that because this was this who was this developed by well midway midway, midway. 
And you know, that's interesting. It kind of set an interesting precedent too, because historically throughout the Nintendo 64's lifespan, it will be criticized for having poor third-party representation. It's it's yes. best, yeah. like it's most well-remembered games were the first party and, you know, rare second party games. Right. That's what we were saying in, in like the uh in the first episode we we talked about I mentioned that like this was sort of the first like like big like uh breach in like Nintendo's armor a little bit. You know, it was still like I still think like Mario sixty four is probably like the best selling game of the time period, I think. But like the you know, you had the PlayStation, you know, kinda get a little bit more of, you know, the market than uh like Sega had, you know, and kinda actually entrench itself in there and um i think this is our first example so far but you know we know about how you know square and konami <laughs> um and yeah. you know moved a lot of games over to playstation because of the uh hardware so i don't know this is kind of a a first good example of that um my I guess my main familiarity with uh, Mortal Kombat also comes through uh, the movies. So, and we did McKenna and I did a little mini movie marathon and rewatched them, uh, which was great. And we also covered those over on Virtual Theater. So please go check that out. <laughs> um, I guess to well, I guess that's one thing that I've always uh, I'll say I've always liked about Mortal Kombat, and it's it's why I like the movies, even though I like never really got good at the games is i just like the the world of mortal Kombat. like you know it's a really goofy like mix of things but it's very serious at the same time um i don't know is connor what do you what do you think about mortal Kombat compared to like i don't know other fighting games in terms of its tone um yeah i mean definitely it's real stupid <laughs> yeah. that's what you mean. it's like the yeah. silliest shit you ever see and they like turn each other into babies yeah exactly stuff like that yeah i like like yeah i like that it's stupid but it's kind of um yeah they've got some good deep lore and um like the uh original co-creator john tobias who is still part of the team at this point he d definitely did take it very seriously and tried to incorporate like a lot of like um not only Chinese mythology, but like little known parts of Chinese culture, like uh, their relationship with ninjas and stuff like that. And then you just have really stupid stuff like big centaur guys who like yeah, right. <laughs> shoot laser beams out of their tails and stuff like that. So Yeah, like uh, it's it's like that and there's like cyborgs and everything, you know. Yeah, it's just a mishmash of ridiculous stuff. It's cool. That's actually one one thing uh, I really didn't like about that new movie was that everyone got their like ability through like the same like magical thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was really stupid. They all had like a magical thing, and it's I, like I really didn't like how they like emphasized that they had like superpowers or something. Yeah, that was stupid. I think it's cooler when you just think like, no, they just gave this guy robot arms. Like this guy's got a gun. <laughs> like it doesn't, yeah. you know, need to like make sense in the lore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to over explain it. Um, McKenna, what was your impression of the lore <laughs> of, or like the world of Mortal Kombat, I guess? Um, gosh, it, it's definitely goofy. Um, I, 
it's it's really interesting how the how the story is kind of told it you know it gives you a little blurb at the beginning and then you have to go through uh the all the a sequence of fights and beat them all to get to the end they're like they're ending and figure that out yeah um, and we were reading about like how certain things are canon and certain aren't do you yes I, I love that you mentioned that because i love that about fighting games i you know i always think that uh especially nowadays like video games don't reach their v true potential of the interactive storytelling medium but fighting games yeah. have a really unique approach to storytelling if it's like yeah through those arcade endings they're able to focus on different characters and um as you alluded to as well like you don't know what's canon until the next release comes out which is always kind of fun too oh they just go like oh. yeah these endings are the canon ones <laughs> let's go from there yeah well it's like some of them are some of them aren't and you don't know and like the next game it'll have their backstory might relate to it and you're like okay so that one happened it's pretty much unless it's contradicted later it's canon but yeah gotcha okay do you have um i guess in terms of it can be story or just playing or whatever like do you have a favorite mortal Kombat character oh man me yeah yeah it's hard to say i really like uh you know they uh, i like Liu kang he's a great protagonist they did a lot of interesting True. stuff with him. yeah i like sub-zero it's fun to freeze people reptile <laughs> i like rain because he's purple and his name is rain <laughs> and he's a prince so that's good stuff that's pretty good um i mean what about you guys where who who really you know called spoke to you uh mckenna you had you had a character you kept going to right yeah, I kept I went to Sindel a lot. I played a lot as her and she's got some she's got like a, a hair yeah like hair whipping move that she does that's cool. I, I pulled it off a full a few times. Uh I played as Jade a couple of times too. I thought she was cool. She's got a big a, pole. Yeah. Um <laughs> all their all their different uh features make for fun, uh unique moves and fatalities and so on yeah did you have a favorite you watched like a compilation of fatalities okay yeah i did there's like <laughs> an hour long compilation that shows all the, the fatalities the brutalities the animalities and the friendships and the ba the bay valleys bay valleys there's, there's there's so many um i i liked all the ones where um you were just seeing body parts being ripped uh, apart from each other like someone's skin got ripped off completely ripped off so you just got their skeleton left it's cool it's yeah a, yeah i think yeah yeah my favorite is probably kano's and he just pulls the person's skeleton right out of their mouth because <laughs> <laughs> it's just so stupid their skin just falls loose to the floor but uh. besides that you know i don't much care for the violence myself <laughs> oh okay oh maybe we that's should, a hot uh, take go into the the controversy all the legal stuff or whatever with the violence in video games um i think that was more a bigger deal for mortal kombat 2 right like yeah this that predated um, this particular release by a little bit i mean i'm sure like that that stank still lingered on the brand but i think at this point parents are more concerned about like south park <laughs> <laughs> south park drew the attention away from mortal Kombat. oh thank goodness 
Well, we're gonna get some South Park games in too, so that's oh, yeah. good. <laughs> I think it, you know, as a final note too, it's worth noting that uh, this game was is all Chicago made. All the yes. actors from around the area, developers. This is like a, this is probably one of the most well known Chicago developed game series. One of my favorite things about playing certain midway games, uh, like if you go to some of the arcades around here and they got the midway games, some of them will be like right to us and it's got their address on, uh, I forgot which, which street they're on, uh, Irving Park maybe? I don't remember, but it's like got the address yeah. and everything and I'm like, hell yeah. Like I don't think they're there. <laughs> they're not there anymore, but... Um, I believe I that NetherRealm Studios, the current like developers of the game still operate in Chicago to some capacity, but yeah, I'm sure they're not in the same building. Yeah, I I believe I saw like a like a sign for like their studios once, like a like a oh parking sign or something That's once. Cool. It's like oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, true. Shout out to Chicago. Um, <laughs> oh, I wanted to say in terms of uh, my favorite characters, uh, a lot of them have. And fatalities, I guess. They've all been from, like, specific things. Like, I really liked Liu Kang because of the the original movies. Uh, but then I, I think I realized that I just liked, like, uh, Robin Cho, I think is his name. Yeah, who plays he's him. awesome. <laughs> yeah, because I was playing the games. I'm like, I don't really like playing as Liu Kang as much. But I just think in those movies, he's so cool. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. He elevated the character for sure. <laughs> Uh, but to playing as I like playing as Raiden and like you know kind of all the like the obvious ones like Sub Zero and Scorpion <laughs> like the obvious characters but they're the coolest I can't help it. Um, <laughs> my favorite fatality though, and it also comes from the movie, or it doesn't come from the movie, but it's because of the movie. I especially like it is uh the one where Scorpion uh reveals his skull and breathes fire <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah that's fun it's just yeah that's perfectly dumb and suiting for mortal Kombat. um so yeah overall that was it was fun and interesting to play you know this version of this game on n64 but uh let's let's talk about our other game mckenna why don't you tell us about wave race 64 Wave Race 64 is a jet ski racing game featuring four characters with their own watercrafts with different strengths and weaknesses. You'll race through various courses such as Sunset Bay and Drake Lake while navigating around buoys, or perform tricks and pass through rings in stunt mode. Compete in a series of courses to win the championship, try to get your best time in time trials, or play against friends in multiplayer. So Wave Race. Um, Connor, you, you've played this a few times, right? Like this, I know we played a little bit together, but you've tried it out before, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely played this game. You know, I think it was like a multiplayer standard. Um, and, you know, there's a lot I like about it, especially the uh, aesthetics of the game. I like a lot oh, of the yeah. design but I'm really bad at it. <laughs> um, how, like, how bad How bad are we talking? Like, you can... I mean, I can finish a race. Yeah, okay. I end up getting turned around a lot, and, mm. like, it's just... I struggle. But I definitely understand why this was a choice as a, 
Nintendo 64 launch title, especially, you know, they really want to show off the sweet water physics, right? Yes. And oh, yeah. We actually watched, there's a great video, everyone should go check out a video by a channel called Modern Vintage Gamer. And they talk about the, uh, the like actual tech behind the waves. And it's super cool. Um, it's like, they, he shows like, basically it's like this wave net that are made out of just like triangles that are all connected. And they, you know, they, uh, put the, the art in on top of it. But then on top of that, they have, I guess, to like simulate, you know, waves, they couldn't do a simulation that would just be like waves created like from your jet ski that mixes with the water. So the thing they did instead is each level they programmed like the wave intensity and like directions to like come from different ways. And it changes like depending on where you at, where you are at in the course. And so it makes it feel a little bit more, I guess, dynamic for the time. You know, it's pretty primitive now, I guess, by modern standards. But like at the time, it's like a very like impressive like workaround <laughs> to create something that feels a little bit more natural, I guess. Yeah, the waves are wild. <laughs> They're insane. I love They're, how they turn you around very often. And I was I was I was doing a list, a little bit of research before this, and it also like. The for an N sixty four game, the waves actually don't look too bad either, and it says that it uses the N sixty four's alpha blending feature, which makes the water simultaneously transparent and reflective. So they're showing oh, they, Nintendo yeah. loves to show off when they can make water <clears throat> look cool. Yeah, this was this is one of their big ones. Um, yeah, just the visual and everything. Like, also the some of the different levels have different like lighting it's different times of day and like some of them uh my, one of my favorite levels is the uh the drake lake one where it's like this mm-hmm. serene uh lake with like ducks and fog and like the waves there aren't as uh you know it's not as big because it's just a little lake you know so it's kind of oh, yeah. gentle mm-hmm. it's it like starts off foggy and then by the third lap it clears up oh yeah love that's that. really cool compared to like another I- level where it's like the like the waves are nasty (laughs) you know what i mean like i love that variation those ducks are so good Mm -hmm. they're beautiful i'd love that's that's a perfect like low poly animal (laughs) you know i want to get the low poly animal i want to see that model up close if it is even a model (laughs) there it's probably just like a sprite um mckenna what about you we i mean we played together on our n64 uh how was how was that that was pretty fun i uh I I think I started I, I didn't realize at first that the different vehicles had like different abilities with like their speed, acceleration and yes. handling. <laughs> I think the one I chose first was not very good with like it just turned way too hard. And um I I remember switching to a different vehicle and I I didn't notice because I didn't know that they had different abilities, but I got one and I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm good at this now. Yeah, some people I, have better later, balance. I switched back to another one, and I was like, "Wait, am I bad at this again?" And then, <laughs> yeah. then, I, then I realized, like, "Oh, okay, they handle differently." Um, That's something that I like. I also didn't. I couldn't fully wrap my head around because the, on top of that, there's also modes to do like the normal stats for the 
for the jet skis and then you can like customize and change it yes when you select them it's actually pretty cool i feel like the level of customization that you could do um but yeah it doesn't like tell you like it doesn't show you their stats um but we (laughs) we had the fortune we were looking at the nintendo power from the time and it like broke down what everyone was better at uh, and then it was even mm-hmm. suggesting from there, you know, like customizing the jet ski. So I could see like there's probably like uh, builds <laughs> that people have of yeah. their oh, yeah. specific, you know, good loadouts for her. It's just like with like Mario Kart speedrunners, there's like optimal yeah. characters to pick <laughs> with specific carts and like. Wow. I just picked the person who like has the coolest like color option and then yeah. hope they're better. Yep. Um, what about also the we talked about the aesthetic, but what about the the soundtrack is uh, top oh, tier for this game? Is it's ridiculous. It's you. It's got a that, lot of great. That was actually this game. I wasn't I wasn't familiar with when I was a kid, or I think I had heard of it, and I had heard of the, the <clears throat> Wave Race games before but i had never played any of them until recently when wave race 64 came to nintendo switch online but my first real exposure to the game was goo at one of the marathons you were showing me the soundtrack and like <laughs> yeah it's always been playing big a for few me. songs i i felt like i was intimately familiar with the game already because it has that like fantastic optimistic memorable guitar riffs and like feels very summery very exciting yeah like posy guitar solos <laughs> yeah no it absolutely rips and i was looking i was curious because we we also give a lot of credit to games like the the zelda cdi games we give credit to tony trippy for just going tony way harder trippy, than he needed yeah. to so i was curious who <clears throat> did the soundtrack for this game mm-hmm. and of oh course, my goodness um, i did look this up it's totaka kazumi totaka and I was like, okay, that makes that makes complete sense. Because yeah, course, what, well, what are some of his other works? He's well known for he worked on a couple of Yoshi games, a couple mm-hmm. of Mario games, but the big ones are he worked on all of the Luigi's Mansion games and all of the Animal Crossing games. Mario Paint. Also, yeah, Mario Paint. Mario too, Paint. Yeah. yeah. He also worked on um, Link's Awakening too. Yes. Yeah. We sports. Also- that's yeah. the best one we sports. Oh right my there. goodness! Oh, a similar similar vibe to this. A little less extreme, but he, he's yeah, also he knows... the voice of Yoshi. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That we dude knows how to create just a a a riff or a melody that just gets implanted into your brain <laughs> and never leaves. Definitely. We we I, were I watching some of that early Animal Crossing yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah we were watching um just before recording like different like covers of the songs or whatever and like some of the melodies are just so like um, memorable for me so so good that like any i was like any cover i was into basically i was they're all good but i had like i would i would have loved anything probably well it's so it's really impressive too because like we, I was just today. I decided to listen to you know those 
those videos where it's like the entire soundtrack just in one video one yes. after another. I listened to one of those today <clears throat> and there's so much use of like the the main theme that you hear when the game starts up. Different chunks of that theme are sprinkled throughout so many different themes throughout the rest of the game. Yes. With like different <laughs> instrumentation or like a different tone and it's they use like motifs in a in an awesome way <laughs> yeah to the point where like i j- just a random one that was like 25 minutes in it was like fourth prize and it was basically just a, <laughs> a remix of the main theme yes but it sounded it was so it sounded like a janet jackson song or something I was like, <laughs> what am i listening to this is so good there were like i think different songs for every place you get which i thought was yeah. crazy <laughs> i thought yeah. that was crazy they did that for... not just for like the the when you actually like win and get to the ceremony but there's also like you know if you if you finish a race just the results screen is different depending on which place you which you which place you came in yeah that, yeah that's sweet um do you guys know if any of the songs happen to feature pan flute i feel like that was a real <laughs> staple of nintendo 64 there, mini pan flute wasn't there one we were saying like this sounds like a spirit track song Yes. Yeah. Did it have pan flute? Definitely some. Probably. Yeah, I think it's it did. The beginning <laughs> of it. Yeah, I think there was one with pan flute and that immediate, and it had a like rhythm like chicka 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 that I thought yeah. like it was like Legend of Zelda yeah. spirit <laughs> tracks. <laughs> I always thought this game was a landmark title for another reason, and that's because you know of its place in the pantheon of in-game advertising. <laughs> Kawasaki oh, yeah. or whatever. Oh, that's There's... how I decided who I was gonna pick in that game. Who had the sickest real life bike? Or... <laughs> oh race. yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good one. Yeah, I didn't have I that with this, that. but uh, that's how in some of the like NASCAR games I would play. I would just be like, oh, this guy's got the fucking, you know, <laughs> whatever car. I'm gonna pick that one. <laughs> um, with the with the music. Uh, I have a very specific um, history, like memory of it, uh, which was like, I loved the game, obviously, like back in the day. And then I remember, I don't know which N64 I was on at this point, but one of the first places I ever moved to on my own, I had a bunch of roommates in Chicago and we would, you know, play like games sometimes together. And I just have a very fond memory of being like, guys this this game has an amazing soundtrack like we got to listen to it and we we put it in and you can go to the options and go to the sound test mode and just like listen to the songs and we were just like going through (laughs) and just jamming out to all the songs uh getting stoked it was great and then shortly after that i got a job doing uh bike delivery uh at a sandwich shop uh and I would I would have like a like a you know play some music while I'd bike around and I would often play the Wave Race '64 soundtrack as I biked around <laughs> and got amped up. Bidding. Great <laughs> soundtrack to deliver to. <laughs> yeah, it's very very fond memories of this game. Um, similarly, like I I never got very good at it, but you know I could beat the normal circuit. You know we unlocked the hard mode but the hard mode i always kind of struggled with um but that was another thing we were reading in nintendo power they had 
Like, it basically had, like, a walkthrough for every level. Oh, yeah. It told you basically, mm-hmm. like, the specific thing you would have to do in each level to, like, actually win the game. You know, like, the yeah certain things that could trip you up. Like, each level, mm-hmm. it would basically, like, say, like, look out for this and don't fuck this up or whatever. And, um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I guess if I studied that a little more, maybe I could beat the hard mode. So I, like... I the past uh, week or so, the past few days, I've been playing it on Nintendo Switch Online, trying to see how far I could get. I ended up, I beat the normal mode. I ended up beating the hard mode, and Expert was the one that tripped me up. And it's just interesting to see how this game works as like a racing game, because the games that a lot of people are familiar with are games like Mario Kart, which is is pretty much a, a party game to an extent, where it's like you know, you're, the, the tracks aren't too insane, especially in the early ones, and you have items, and it's everyone's mm. going around, and this is very precise. There's a lot of stuff that you need to act against. Like, you have the waves, which are seemingly random, and like you said, on some courses, like the Marine Fortress or whatever, and the, the, the port one, those the waves are crazy on that, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of really tight turns. And something that I think is a really interesting way of, like, adding difficulty, especially when you up the levels, is the the buoys that you have to go around either on the right or left side. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's not like you can just ignore those, because if you miss a certain amount, then you're booted out of the race and you lose. So that just makes it... You know, this already controls pretty difficult, and that's an additional hurdle to get over. And those, I that's something I noticed is the the placement of those gets more difficult as the difficulty level goes up. I know in right. some of them too, they like close off certain things, or like there's yeah. other ways you gotta go. One of the things we noticed is that you can. You can change the number of like buoys that you can miss. I don't think you can make it easier than the the standard like five. No, you, you can, can make miss. it harder. <laughs> you can make it harder that you have to. You can't miss any of them, or you know, I think you can do up to you know four, four three, two, one, zero, and like you can also change the the level of waves i guess how like how rough wow the waves are i think there yeah was there one more uh i think there was another difficulty setting but yeah those are like kind of impressed that of the about the the difficulty settings i would imagine that this is like a a fun game to play multiplayer too which that's something that it was like mario kart Mm -hmm. are very well known for is that they're very multiplayer friendly anyone can pick it up and play but this is like even if you're playing by yourself like those different aspects of it the the challenges that they bring to it make it like i was on the edge of my seat just playing by myself and the races only have three other yeah (laughs) contestants you know i was often what i would say is in the zone you know where i'm just like i was so enraptured in some of the races like so focused you know I mean, I'm I'm also a, a I've been a huge Mario Kart fan for my whole life, and I've like spent a lot of time trying to get good at a few of the Mario Kart games. And it like in those games, it it feels similar to like when you pull off 
a perfectly well-timed like drift boost around a really tight corner and do a bunch in succession but it feels like you're doing that all the time because you have <laughs> to some of the buoys are placed where it's like you got to go right then left then right then left then a tight corner and then right then left and and like that also like readjusting before, yourself like, out from waves and stuff like yeah 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 that's that's what i was just what connor said before like a lot of times it just gets to a point where there are too many things going on at once and like a a, a turn is too tight and a wave ends up like spinning you completely around <laughs> and you have to if you know fully readjust where you're facing and it's it's a pretty difficult game yeah it definitely gets tricky um and you mentioned the multiplayer i wanted to say uh and also tying back to the first episode uh we mentioned the kind of the flip side of like the you know one of the console's kind of weaknesses was uh you know losing some of those third-party developers uh, and we saw that we kind of see that already with Mortal Kombat being kind of a one of the weaker uh, entries, I guess, or like not quite living up to it or whatever. But then on the flip side, one thing the console ends up being really good at is the multiplayer. Uh, and this is mm-hmm. one of the big ones, even though it's only like I, I think more fondly of a lot of the four player multi multiplayer games. This only has two player, but it's still a lot of fun. And uh, so I don't know. I think it's interesting here. And this is really the first multiplayer game we've gotten so far. Like the other ones were fun to play together. That's a big selling point for the Nintendo 64, right? Is the multiplayer. I think it was the first console to have four controllers at once. I mean, other other consoles had it as a feature, but you had to get add-ons or whatever. Yeah, you had to like, I did some of that with like NES back in the day. But it was always weird. Yeah, you had to add like adapters and stuff. This is just like, yeah, plug them right in the front. Um, yeah, this, this was definitely the heyday <laughs> for that. Um, yeah, it's cool. That's we got kinda, it right here in this episode. That's kind of why I find it interesting, like, what its legacy was or its placement in terms of, like, other racing games of the era. Because I'm, I don't really know that much of what came before it. I know F-Zero came before it. F-Zero well, was on the on the snes this actually um actually the development of this game uh so it started the vehicles in the game looked like yeah uh f zero zero vehicles we're like looking at footage of it it was really weird Mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's actually what i was just gonna say in in the research i was saying they were they were referring to it as f zero in water (laughs) and originally it was gonna use like high speed boats but i guess miyamoto thought that it wouldn't it would feel too similar to something like yeah. that. So he wanted to do something different. But, but the, so there was F-Zero, and then, of course, there was Mario Kart, the original, on the SNES. And I don't know how many... I'm sure there were plenty of other ones, but well, it, just seeing the placement of this game in the timeline of racing games specifically, I it's interesting that we have this game, which is a... a seems to be pretty new because it's it's a it's a 3d racing game with multiplayer and it's pretty difficult compared to a game like mortal Kombat, which also has a pretty high bar of entry but seems like that that series and games like that are kind of panned for that whereas i think this was pretty well received right for multiplayer well i mean mortal mortal Kombat was 
in terms of like the barrier to entry, I, I don't think was as, I don't know if that it really had a stigma around it because you could just kind of go and play at the arcade. I think that's what people did a lot. Oh, okay. I don't know. I guess I, I wasn't really playing games in the arcade at this time though. Um, but in terms of like the the span of racing games, though, like there's also you also have like the more uh, at, around this time we get some games that are like the more serious like racing you know sim games. We I think yeah, this game did predate Gran Turismo by about a year. So yeah, so I think and I think that's gonna be you're gonna see more of those on uh, PlayStation. <laughs> I think too a lot more yeah. of those games. Um, most of the racing games on N64 and, and may, it kind of fits their whole mold a little bit more, but they're more like the arcade or party style games, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty unique and a subgenre that kind of is eventually going to lean a lot more towards either like high speed cars or like lower speed cart racing with like fun items and stuff like this. Waiver 64 definitely stands on its own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This made me want to check out the... Sorry, Connor, go ahead. I think Cruising USA is going to drop not too long from yes. this point. That's, that's um I think, not the next episode, but the one after that. And that's also a big one. That's going to be sweet. Um, this made me want to go and I haven't tried it yet, but I want to play the Game Boy <laughs> Wave Race game that came before this, which also featured jet skis. I guess that's kind of why they were like, hey, this fits more <laughs> in line with the first mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It makes me want to check it out. I've never really heard anything about it. Um, did anyone? Oh, one last thing. Did anyone do any of the stunt mode? That was pretty tough. <laughs> so I feel like I didn't. I didn't get into it that much. I did it once and I went through the rings and I was <laughs> and I finished it and then it was like stunt point zero and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing. So there's like a mode you can go in and like they'll tell you how to do like the barrel roll and all these different yeah. tricks. But it I just, think I, I don't know, it didn't I, appeal to me. Sorry, I think I actually ended up doing stuff like that in races by accident (laughs) like i think i actually did like a like a barrel roll type thing in midair in a race and i was like i don't know how i didn't fall off but that's (laughs) the moves are cool i just i don't know those those are more like also like combos where i'm like i my brain doesn't want to think that third dimensionally i guess yeah um, but there is, I, I did go and look and I remembered this. I don't, I don't think I ever did this. Someone I must've known did this, but in one of the mo in one of the stunt tracks, if you do everything like perfect, basically you can ride the dolphin at dolphin park. <laughs> That's rad. Yeah. Okay, we got to get good at this. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. This is a game I, I, I can see us going back to, to also mm-hmm. like, I, I enjoyed it a lot. So I, I feel like now that we have our whole N64 set up, we should be doing, you know, some more. Uh, <laughs> so we we shouldn't just pass on all the games, you know. Race. Right. We should yeah, yeah. don't don't leave them uh, behind. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that was that was fun going back talking about Wave Race. Uh, listen to the soundtrack. Um, our next games are going to be. It's another. These two actually didn't. They released a week apart, but. 
we're gonna we're gonna throw them together. Um, we got Wayne Gretzky 3D hockey, which we've played a little bit, so um, mm-hmm. we we gotta get back to it. And uh, Killer Instinct Gold, which uh, well, actually, that's another fighting game. I don't know, Con- Connor. Any any feelings about that game? Yeah, very similar to Mortal Kombat in a lot of ways too. Uh, in terms of the uh, design and the gra- and like the the way they did their graphics and whatnot. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of Rareware. So oh yeah, big fan. Yeah, that is that is that, is that your first Rare game that you're gonna? Yes. Have yeah, that's something. I w- I won't hold you to it, but maybe maybe we could get you to come back and that give could us some- be fun. Okay, cool, cool. Well, it, yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh Connor, do you want to do you want to promote anything or put um, anything out there? Well, you can go ahead and come see me dabble in some video games on twitch.tv/connor tonight or follow me on Twitter at @connor tonight. That's about it for me. Nice. What do you what have you been streaming lately? Uh, Mortal Kombat, actually. Um, <laughs> nice, nice. Was it inspired by this? I uh, well, yeah, we were playing, so I was like, yeah, You're I got, I you know, got to brush up on my MK. <laughs> nice. Uh, Corey, what about you? A- anything you you want to plug? Get out into the world. I don't know, man. <laughs> any anything anything you can listen to me, and you can probably listen to Goin too. Go check out. Gooey's dungeon dive. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Go check out yeah. uh go check out uh Zelda Dungeon. Check out the Zelda Dungeon YouTube channel. I guess you can I have a podcast, but that's on a, it's been on hiatus for like <laughs> forever, so I guess I won't plug that. <laughs> don't uh, don't even say it. <laughs> um you can follow me on Twitter at Corey Richmond. Uh you know what? Why don't why don't you go follow me on YouTube? Because the last video oh, yeah. I released was a, I do some, um, some seasonal or themed like music compilations. And the last one I did was for summer. And that compilation starts with the wave race 64 main theme. Oh, nice. Oh, well, McKenna, how about you? Anything you want to throw out there? Um, uh, you can follow me on YouTube or subscribe to me on YouTube at Harvest Gamer McLiz. I I actually played this week some Super Dungeon Maker, which is like a basically a Zelda Dungeon Maker, and I have a video where I go through a replica of inside the Great Deku Tree, which will be a you know, as a dungeon we'll be talking about a little little down the line. On the <laughs> yeah, set the table. Yeah. Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at McKenna Games. All right. Well, yeah, Corey, you you said all the things I would say. You can go back and hear us talk about N64 games on uh, GUI's Dungeon Dive. You can hear us talk about Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. (laughs) Um, We just finished up The Wind Waker. Awesome game. And yeah, over at Zelda, I mean, we're like out. Well, actually, like Tears of the Kingdom is like kind of out right now too if you live in certain parts of the world or you or you got it some other ways um (laughs) but yeah we're gonna be probably talking a lot about that over at Zelda dungeon so be on the lookout for that tears content for sure and Corey, thanks for doing making all the like artwork and stuff that we use for the for the show 
Absolutely. That was done by yours truly or his truly. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, Corey did the artwork. Uh, Nico did our awesome theme that that we've been jamming out to. Uh, again, please uh, rate and review. Um, get the numbers up. Like, subscribe, comment. It's also on YouTube. Uh, we're on Twitter at Flashback64Pod. Uh, if you want to email us, <laughs> I guess you could email us uh, at Flashback64Pod at gmail.com. And uh, we also we also got a little Discord. That's actually, it's been quite, it's been cool. It's kind of got people from not just, I was expecting, uh, you know, some of the Zelda dungeon crowd to come by, but we've got uh, quite a few different people in there. And it's been fun uh, <laughs> sharing things like the uh, Macarena at the 1996 Democratic Nashville Convention. Um some people have been sharing other uh someone had a australian gaming magazine from the time and was posting like the reviews for each game that's been covered so that's pretty cool um yeah there's just cool discussion in there so uh yeah thanks to everyone you know we actually did that at uh zelda dungeon but i think that form of communication has just fallen out of favor too much it you know it's fitting it's befitting of a Nintendo sixty four podcast though I feel like that's true. Okay, we'll do it only if um, when you look at the Nintendo Power, people send in and on the envelope they would do those badass drawings. You know the like color on the whole envelope, yeah, definitely the envelope art. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, what's popular at the time is Super Mario RPG and Chrono Trigger. So, so like yeah that's the uh, that's the type of artwork we're gonna need to see Uh, so yeah thanks to everyone for listening and Corey Connor thank you again for coming on the show thanks for letting me on bye 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 flashback 64 wins friendship